Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And this morning's topic was critical theory. And uh, we have a web page up at preparingyou.com that goes through it a lot. We're still I was still upgrading it during the show, but uh, critical theory is an idea that came along uh, back in the 60s when the effects of civil rights movement were finally beginning to pay off and laws were being rolled back and systemic racism was disappearing rapidly in the country. Uh, we have some videos on the page uh, that talk about how things were changing in racial relationships throughout the country. Now, there were a lot of people that were not racist, and uh, they were white, actually, and they were not racist. There was a lot of racism in the South, and the fact is you could find it almost anywhere, but even in the South, there were a lot of people who were not racist and would actually risk their lives to come to the defense of other people, like who were black or Hispanic or Indian or whatever, because they had a sense of justice in them. And I, I've talked before about the movie To Kill a Mockingbird, which came out back in those days, and it was about a story that occurred in the life of the author. It was similar to a story that occurred in the life of the author, where her father was an attorney and actually was defending somebody who was unjustly being accused. Dealing with those issues at the risk of great peril to themselves. But hate really doesn't have anything to do with race. Bigotry doesn't have anything to do with race. It has to do with a mindset. And that mindset is created in us by the world, the flesh and the devil, or whatever, whatever influences there are, if we do not strive to be recreated in a more reasonable fashion, which is, is what the kingdom, seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness is all about, is being recreated, reborn again in another image other than that bigoted, selfish image of Bob Yule and To Kill a Mockingbird and a lot of the other people. There were people, a lot of people that were kind of in between that could get riled up and worked up and find themselves defending, even doing things that are horrible. And, of course, we see that in the scene where Atticus Finch is outside the prison cell or the jail cell protecting Mr. Robinson, who has wrongly been accused, and he is going there to defend them. Well, he was about to be overcome by the anger and rage of a few people in the mob that would carry things too far, and suddenly his son, his daughter... And a little boy that uh, sometimes lives next door showed up. And it was Scout, his daughter, who saved Mr. Robinson. Atticus Finch had to do his part. Uh, The son had to do his part. But it was Atticus Finch's daughter, the innocence of Scout, that saved Mr. Robinson. Because she tipped the scales. She broke the spell of anger. And she did it with, uh, hey, Mr. Cunningham. 
and just began to talk to him without hate, without anger. And I've told the story before when I faced an entire mob of people who were angry about the assassination of Martin Luther King. I had no idea that he'd been assassinated. I was the only white person on the street, and they they were looking for blood, and I was the white guy they stopped. But the our interaction was absolutely peaceful, peaceful, and they they were actually my protectors, and uh, they were like guards. They they could not lift a hand against me. It was a miracle that I was able to walk away because it was through no power of my own. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nobody who thinks critically more than the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is truth. That Christ was truth. And he sent his Holy Spirit, which is truth. Those who do not want to listen to facts, those who do not want to see the whole truth, those who do not take the time to see the whole truth, will not see God. Because that is the nature of seeking the kingdom. The whole truth is the nature of seeking the kingdom. Seeking that whole truth. And being willing to see it at whatever cost. To know the whole truth and provide for it. So anyway, critical theory. We were talking this morning a little bit about what critical theory was. And we're not going to go through all that. Or we won't get anywhere today. But well, we got down to liberation theology, which I didn't really say very much about, but I, I discovered liberation theology a long time ago. And it is very close to the same spirit that you find in critical theory. Critical theory and critical thinking are opposing forces in the universe. Because critical theory requires that you do not do any real critical thinking. And that's why you find on that liberal side of the argument, leftist side of the argument, I hate to use liberal, but, you know, whatever side you find that is promoting things like uh, critical theory or might as well say critical theology, but uh, they also call it critical race theory. It is, it is not reasonable. It is not based on fact. It's based mostly on emotions. And if you start bringing up facts, you're a racist, they argue against you, they shout you down, they actually try to intimidate you. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can confront them. I heard a woman this morning asking, how do you talk to these people? How do you answer them? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but uh, they're not dealing with reason. So no matter how reasonable you are with many of them, you will not stop them. You will not change their minds. You will not. You will become their victim, the victim of their anger. And this is one of the things the early Christians had to deal with with persecution, because the same kind of mob mentality you saw in that mob that wanted to lynch Mr. Robinson, and uh, even they were willing to kill Atticus Finch in the process, but they had no defense against the innocence of scouts. So you have to... Somebody was asking me, dealing with these violent issues in another country uh, that is coming about, and I mean serious violent issues, because uh, people have not solved the problem by switching who holds the torture stick. Uh, That does not make torture go away. This is why so many revolutions in South America have not prevailed with anything more than another dictator because until 
People will change. Governments will not change. You cannot elect somebody who will solve the problem. The mere idea you think you can elect somebody who will fix it is why you're in trouble to begin with. You can only fix it by you changing. But most people don't know how to change. Christ told us how to change. But we're not paying attention to Christ. Liberation theology as it is presented most of the time and implemented most of the time, it's born of Satan. And we need to repent of that. So anyway, I, then I went down and talked a little bit about repressive tolerance, where we tolerate the powers that repress others. And uh, and this is what we're being accused of all the time by the leftists, by that's what they think all conservatives do is that somehow or other they approve of the oppressor and there are conservatives who do which is why people were you know the United States was allowed to invade Iraq is because people were willing to accept a false premise that was not panning out at the time but they accepted it and later on they have now found out that a great deal of the information was false and that there were actually other motivations, but they are still in denial because they had accepted the original premise that simply was not true. And the, the same thing has happened. We see it happen again in America, even to a greater extent, with the coronavirus. With less fanfare, people allowed the government to shut down the entire economy across the world based on a virus that has lower death rate than the common flu. And there's lots of evidence to back that up. People are going to say, oh, that's not true. And then when you want to show them the evidence, they don't want to look. We have a page on coronavirus. You can look. Actually, we haven't added any more to that page. And more and more information is coming out all the time showing that what we said from the beginning and what other epidemiologists said from the beginning is true. And what the media was publishing was not only false, it was absolutely false, over-exaggerated. And why is that? Well, a number of reasons. One is the media looks for sensationalizing stories because it sells press. And they don't really care about you. They care about the bottom line. They don't have integrity. They're already not in love with the truth. And they have a contempt for... Actually, they have a contempt for something they see in Trump. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I, I suspect I know. It isn't Trump himself. It's that independent spirit that Trump, as a wealthy individual, expresses. They do not like the individual spirit. The uh, Black Lives Matter is a war on individuals. It's not about black lives. If it was about black lives, they'd be doing something about the thousands and thousands of blacks that are killed every year by blacks. They would do something about the fact that most of the kids in the black community are not educated. They don't, they can't even pass simple reading and math tests. It isn't because they haven't put money in the schools because the schools are most all funded by federal uh, contributions that are straight across the board. They have all kinds of programs. The reason why is that the families of the black community are broke down. Uh, my son had a number of people in his office just this uh, week. He was talking to him about because they've had to homeschool their kids through state supervision now because the kids aren't allowed to go to school. They're actually becoming, they're, they're getting a kind of a bird's eye view of what the, te- the schools are teaching. And they're shocked. 
They, they assumed, like I was talking earlier this morning, presumed that uh, the schools are doing a good job. They're not. They're doing a bad job. They don't know they're not doing a good job in some cases. Some cases they know it. But kids are being graduated from high school, even in college, political majors who don't know who fought in World War II. They, they actually don't know that. You think, well, what about Revolutionary War or Civil War? They don't know that. 16, 18, 19, 22-year-old people don't know who fought in these wars. And uh, somebody actually said, well, you know, we like uh, homeschooling our kids, but we don't like reading all this history. We don't see the point. Well, they need to see the point. We have become crippled as parents. We don't know how to teach our kids at home. It's easily and quickly learned, and there's great benefits from doing it. But more and more people have to do it, and they have to do it together. And, of course, if they were doing what Christ said from the beginning, what Christ commanded from the beginning, and not doing what Christ condemned from the beginning, which is the exact opposite of what we see going on in the modern church, Modern church readily accepts what Christ condemned, because often they don't know why he condemned it, which was the Corbin and the Pharisees and what the Corbin and the Pharisee was. And he absolutely commanded that we sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and practice pure religion. Pure religion is taking care of one another, the widows and the orphans and needy of your society, through free will offerings, through faith, hope, and charity, rather than forced fear and fealty which we talked about this morning. So anyway, we went through that, and we mentioned a few quotes from uh, Exodus 22, 21, Exodus 23, 9, Leviticus, and Proverbs, and even James, that talking about, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, you commit a sin, and are convinced of the law as tranks. What is the respecter of persons? A respecter of offices. Not that you're supposed to disrespect your leaders, but when you put more emphasis on what people in leading positions say than in common sense, then you're sinning. That's why there was the Nuremberg trials, because they said, well, we were just following orders. Well, we're seeing that in society today where people are uh, insisting that everybody wear masks. Uh, the reality is everybody wearing masks is not making anybody safer at all. Very, very few people will be any safer by wearing masks. Many people will suffer from wearing masks. And now you don't want to believe that. Well, look into it with an open mind, with critical thinking. You may find out that what I'm saying is true. Why are they saying wearing it? Why are they even saying that, you know, we've slowed the curve. There never was a curve. There never was a spike. The hospitals were not overthrown, uh, overfilled. Uh, the death rate is actually much smaller than they're publishing in a lot of these democratic cities because they're padding the numbers. Uh, they say it right out. If you look farther than CNN and MSNBC or CBS and all these other networks, they, they're not telling you. But the reality is, is that the numbers are far less and it is not that dangerous. And most of the people have already had it and didn't even know they had it because most people don't even have symptoms. It's not that serious of a flu. 
It's not as bad as Spanish flu by any means. And most of the people who died of Spanish flu died because of they didn't know how to treat it. They didn't know how to take care of it. They had means to do it, but they didn't know how. Today, many people have died of, supposedly of coronavirus and they actually died of the treatment. The respirators. The respirators killed all kinds of people. And there's lots of evidence to prove that. You're simply not seeing it on most of the news. There's a lot of testimony that say that. Doctors, nurses say that. They see it happening. They're the ones who have to help zip up the body bags. They know that this is the case. Others don't want to see the whole truth. They want to believe they already know. Uh, You're going to follow the blind. You're both going to fall into a pit. So anyway, the way forward is the way of Christ, which does not include the sloth and covetous practices of the modern Christians, which is the Corbin of the Pharisees and, and the people who don't want to go that extra mile to find out the whole truth because the, you're being kept from the truth. So Acts 15.20 says, But that we write unto them that they abstain from the pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. These are metaphors, and if you understood the metaphors as they were used at that time, the pollution of idols, and we have a link on the, well actually there's a couple more links I could add to all this, but Things strangled. That's forced contributions. Christ, I mean, John the Baptist said it right away. That if there are needs in your community, take care of those needs through charity, through sharing. Don't take care of those needs through forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That's blood that you obtain by strangling. You're strangling your neighbor. You're taking a bite out of one another. And therefore, you will become devoured. These are the covetous practices they tell about. Which are all taken care of through the temples where these idols were. These idols were golden statues. That's the way in which they deposited large funds to take care of the needy of their society. And how did they fill those funds? Well, at one time, they did it through charity as well. But by the time the Caesars came, they did it through taxation. First they taxed the foreigner, then they taxed them, the, themselves and the rich, and then they taxed the poor. But what happened was people became accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. And they were altered by this. So if you turn around and think differently that we have to take care of one another through charity, you will be altered by that. Second Peter 2, 6, uh, 18 says... For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, desire for benefits, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. Who lives in error? The error of Balaam. The error of the Nicolaitans, where people are conquered by their own greed. And you go read our articles on that. I should put some more links in there so you can find that from that page. And uh, it goes on in verse 19 and 20. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. So people are saying that, yo, you don't have to worry about it. We'll take care of it. We'll take care of the 
welfare, we'll take care of annual income, we'll take care of your health care, we'll take care of all that. So you're free from having to worry about those things. They're actually delivering you into bondage because they are only going to give you what they take away from your neighbor, what they strangle out of your neighbor. This is why the Corbin of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. This is why socialism is the religion you get when you have no religion. And the religion of Christ is that you take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity rather than force, fear, and fealty. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. There's, and you can find both parties that do this. Yeah, one party does it more than the other. But like I say, if you jump halfway across a crevice, you fall. If you jump nine-tenths of the way across a crevice, you fall. You have to get the whole truth. And the whole truth, God doesn't want you to be engaged in these covetous practices that will make you merchandise. And curse your children with debt, which is where you're at right now. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world, the constitutional orders and systems of government, that's what that word means there, the word world. There's four or five different words that mean world. Through the knowledge of the Lord and the Savior of Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. And the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. And that's, of course, where you're at. So, questioners ask if the categories of oppression identified by critical theory are compatible with the idea of oppression presented in Scripture. Shebe, which I mentioned this morning, and you can go to the article and find out more about who Shebe is, responded that he does see instances of structural injustice, but modern governments do not have the structure recommended in the Bible. Absolutely. Modern government have instituted a system that follow in the patterns of Cain and his altars of force, Nimrod, and his top-down system taking and taking and taking as warned in 1 Samuel 8. That's what he warned you about if you have this chief executive officer, King Prime Minister, President, whatever you want to call him. But he's the executor. He's the one who makes it happen. He's the one who could force contributions, even though Samuel said it was foolish to do that. It is what your governments have done. And so now they take and take and take and take, just like Samuel predicted, and warn the people would happen if they go that particular route. What did they have before that? And so... What you end up with is the system of Corvee that was set up by Pharaoh where a portion of your labor belongs to the government. Pharisees had done the same things under Herod through their system of Corbin, which had always been free will offerings, but at that time had become forced offerings by statute. This alters society and the individuals within it. None of the modern constitutions include the five restrictions. I have a footnote there that the Bible tells us to write down and read every day to our leaders, rulers, executive powers, when we grant them any sort of power. We should have these five restrictions in the Constitution. They are only four, or there are only one of them. There are four missing in the U.S. Constitution. And I put notes so you can go find out what those are. Critical theory, however, by its very principle, 
uncritically accepts the claims uh, people in in grouped categories deemed oppressed. This is what they do. They claim that people in group categories are oppressed. They've grouped them in those categories. You yourselves will group yourself into these categories. But Christ was saying, as we said earlier in the original shows that we did this morning, there is no more separate categories. We're all one in Christ. There is no more race. There is no more nationality. We're all one in Christ. But you have to be really in Christ doing what Christ said. You can't just say, Lord, Lord. You have to be a doer of the word. That's why Christ said, not those who say, but those who do. So, if doing includes taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, doing does not include taking care of one another through forced taxation. Taxing your neighbors so you can have free education, free health care, free fire departments, free police. You should not be going that way. You already have, so that's where you're at. You can't just undo that. Defunding the police is not going to solve the problem. What's going to solve the problem is you do those other things that Christ told you to do, and then you will be much safer. The possibility that those classed as oppressed might, in fact, be oppressors. In some situations... That's what's happening. The poor today oppresses the rich. Now, people are going to hate me because I say that. But that's what what happens. And this is why Sodom and Gomorrah fell. That that they created more and more benefits. And, of course, they're not really creating them. But they're electing people that promise them more and more benefits. More and more liberty from having to take care of yourself. We're going to give you a, a guaranteed wage. We're going to give you this health care. We're going to give you special rent. Uh, we're going to give and give and give and give. In order for them to give and give and give and give to you, they have to take and take and take and take away from somebody else. The reality is they are much better takers than givers. So that's where you're headed. If you give license to your government to take away from your neighbors so that you can have what you want of your neighbor's goods... That is a covetous practice that will lead you back into bondage, weaken you as a nation, weaken you as a society, and weaken you as individuals. It will break down the families and so that you end up with 75% of your families or children being raised in single-parent families because your families have all fallen apart. And it will produce a society of perfect savages that will run around, knock down doors and or dash into stores to steal as much as they can from the very very businesses that have provided them with a lifestyle that is in excess of what the kings used to enjoy. Everybody in America enjoyed. But that's going away and going away rapidly. I'm not saying that to frighten you. I'm saying that is that is that is the course of events. That's what happened in Rome. That's why you read about history. That's what happened in many societies and civilizations throughout history. And that's what's happening in America. Christians had the cure. Christians knew what to do. And they did it and became a nation within a nation. That saved many people who were not even Christians. But certainly saved the Christians. Shebe, according to the article, responded that where critical theory is widely accepted, it may be difficult, if not impossible, to engage the situation from a Christian standpoint. But what is a Christian standpoint? 
if we apply critical thinking to our interpretive view of modern Christianity versus early Christianity, we're going to come up with a different viewpoint, a different uh, conclusion. Because modern Christianity is not doing what the early Christians did. We should be doing more and more things ourselves and looking to government less and less. And the reality is if we were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded, we would be able to do that without infringing upon anybody else's rights. It will take people that are actually striving and persevering, but that is what you do. So, we too advocate things like homeschooling, home health, home industry. We do not tell people that His Holy Church only could do things certain ways. We simply do not exercise authority one over the other. We operate entirely by charity. But it's an individual walk. And it's an individual walk together when you gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded. And it is the only way that I know of where you can actually create a daily ministration and practice pure religion. And and until you do that, you will have to go to the tables of those who have set up the tables of Corbin, the tables of Social Security, the table of welfare. The t- you can't get welfare hardly without Social Security. Even even the Mexicans come up with a meticulous number nowadays because all these systems are linked by treaty. But this has altered society. It altered the nature of the people. So I want to get down to critical race theory and there's a lot more, a lot more links where I sum all this up and you can go look at those and read those and follow those links and understand who the benefactors who exercise authority that Christ said we were not to be like. Uh, we can go and look at uh, why people were going to become perfect savages. Articles up on that and there's audios with that. But in critical race theory, which is a lot like critical theory, but it's more focused on this race issue. Critical race theory is a theoretical framework in the social sciences developed out of epistemic philosophy that uses critical theory to examine society and culture as they relate to categorizations of race, law, and power. So it's just a kind of a glorified sense of critical theory, but its focus is not on all those other things, but mostly just on race. Well, what is uh, this uh, epistemistic uh, philosophy? Epistemologists study the nature of knowledge, justification, and rationality of belief and various related issues. Now, that's what it's supposed to study. And like I say, the key word here is justification. You can also add the word rationality because they do a lot of rationalizing in order to justify what they're doing. And facts are not as important as claims because they're not trying to spread the truth. They're trying to win over minds. Critical thinking is defined as a discipline. It's disciplined thinking that is clear, is rational, open-minded, informed by evidence. Anybody who's trying to shut you down, to not let you speak, interrupt you, keep you from speaking, keep you from presenting facts, disregard the facts if you state them and say, prove it, 
But when other people who confirm what they already think is true say facts, they don't even need to confirm them. They're just accepted as valid and true. So you see this, when you see those characteristics, you know this person is not a critical thinker. Is the antithesis of critical thinking. Well, he's not going to come up with a true answer. But he's not really looking for the truth. He's looking for justification. So critical thinking is supposed to be this, uh, the analyzing of facts, an analysis of facts to form a judgment. But critical theory assumes that a judgment is true and then only picks the facts that support that existing judgment. They want to believe that there's systemic racism in this country. They want to believe that cops are killing black people at a phenomenal rate, targeting black people. The statistics given to me by experts who are black say to the contrary. You can actually look them up. And we talked about this last week, how certain people like Phil uh, makes a video throws out all these statistics and people, because they don't look at the whole picture, think those statistics prove what he is suggesting is the case. But the reality is the same exact statistics are used by those saying that Phil is incorrect. But they include the rest of the story. They put the facts in that ties those statistics to the actual facts rather than simply correlating a cause based on partial information, partial facts. So, that's very important. If you're going to evaluate objectively, you have to be willing to look at all the facts and weigh their value. I heard somebody talking about climate change and saying that 97% of the scientists agree that climate change is going to drastically change the face of the earth and all this stuff. And there really is going to be climate change. There always is climate change. But the world has a way of counterbalancing. When it heats up, it can actually create a cooling uh, trend. And that, you know, just a few years ago, they were all worried about an ice age. But of course, those things that bring about an ice age, when the pendulum swings, they cause a warming. We've had lots and lots of mini ice ages since the time of Christ. Back in uh, 450 AD and I'm trying to think of Mahler Minimum, uh, whatever it was, <laughs> uh, that we had, uh, in Europe. And people, I mean, people starve because they couldn't grow gardens. Greenland emptied out because the weather got just a little worse. And in some areas, this will have a devastating effect. It got cooler. But then it warmed up. We're in a warming trend right now. It will reverse and go back to a cooling trend. And uh, we hope that the cooling trend doesn't last 500 years or a 1,000 years. <laughs> but uh, the fact is, almost all the models for global warming have predicted and predicted for 30 years what was going to happen. And they have been drastically wrong. Only one model of all the different countries that present models, only one model has been fairly accurate and consistent. And that one does not come to the conclusion that global warming will devastate any part of this planet. Uh, we, we've done articles and programs on the fires in Australia that they were blaming on global warming. And the reality is, is that doesn't pan out. The experts who nobody wants to hear from 
who poo-poos. See, there's a political agenda, and the money that drives academia today comes from the government. You've turned over the finance. Used to be Harvard, Princeton. They were financed by the alumni, not by the government. And all colleges almost today are funded by the government, either through student loans indirectly or directly receiving subsidies from the government. There's a few colleges that do not, and, and but they're very far and few between. And the reality is some of the... Their faculty can only teach for the price they do because they are also reliant upon government benefits. So, the hand and reach of the government influencing what scientists say is unbelievable. But unless you're willing to, if you already accept the idea that there's going to be global warming, anybody who presents a fact that shows that, well, maybe it's not going to be as bad as you think. Maybe it's actually going to, you're going to, Argue against it, even though you don't have the facts. And, uh, you know, there's no convincing you. What I'm saying is that if you change your life in the area of faith, hope, and charity, instead of looking to the government to do the simple things of taking care of the needy of your society, it will alter your ability in your mind to critically think about all these other issues. And you will become savage and even rabid in the defense of these other issues, even though they are not really backed up by science. Anom- Anomaly, who is uh, Aj, is his real name, his first name, calls himself Anomaly. And uh, he's on Facebook, a long-haired guy. There's a couple of people who call themselves Anomaly, but the long-haired one, who was a rapper, he's amazing. Amazing amount of information he accumulates. But I see impatience growing in him because he sees so many people misrepresenting the truth and so many people believing that misrepresentation. It's a bad thing. So, critical race theory is a school of thought. In other words, they're schooling you. They're getting you like a school of fish to follow a certain way of thinking. And it's easy to do because you haven't yet repented. See, when you repent, think differently, then you realize that covetous practices in the Corbin of the Pharisees is making the word of God to none effect, and you will start to organize yourselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to take care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity, which will bring about a humility in your life and a sacrifice in your life, which if you listened to the programs earlier, would know that that is essential to critical thinking, which we will eventually go through. Because you've gotten away from that, you cannot see. You are easily fooled by blind guides and you follow them. And evidence of that is the way you followed and, and held and dealt with the coronavirus, which was not dangerous. We knew that from the beginning. There was evidence of that right from the beginning, that it was not any more dangerous than the regular flu and probably far less dangerous than the regular flu. And it turned out that it is. If it wasn't for them padding the numbers and falsifying data and information, you would know that most people do not die of coronavirus. Most people don't even show symptoms or very few symptoms. And they get it. And then they start producing the antibodies. And if you weren't social distancing yourselves, you would be passing those antibodies on to other people who haven't been infected yet. And they would get a natural protection against the virus. Virus isn't like a germ. 
You know, it's not like bacteria. You don't really catch it. Because you're so unhealthy to begin with, a foreign exosome can get into your body and infect you. This is the same thing going on in your mind. Because you don't have the ideas of Christ working in you, you have to be a doer of the word. Unless you're actually doing what Christ said to do, you're liable to be infected with a falsehood. You will likely not see the truth and allow a lie to get in you. You will reproduce that lie and go around and tell other people. And people who criticize that lie, you will punch. (laughs) Or defame or get kicked off of Facebook or whatever. Because everything stems back from the fact that you're not actually doing what John the Baptist said and what Christ said. So this social standing based on race as a social stratification, you know, because there's other social, you know, the LBGT, that's the perfect example of all these different stratas where where it may include race and it may include sex and gender and and, uh, whether or not you have money or you're whatever. You have all these different people sexualize you and then they talk about it. Inclusiveness. When your ideas should be only identifying with what's true and right and righteous. Because you're supposed to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness created the black and the white and the Indian and the Asian all the same. We, we created that division. There is a difference between male and female. That, that's true and that exists. But they cannot exist unless they come together as one. Flesh. No more twain. They will die out on the face of the earth unless they come together. So the reality is that the divisions are created by men. God creates a way in which you can come together, which is what Christ told, why he commanded that we sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And what binds us together is the fact that we take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Not a philosophy. Not a constitution. Not a contract, but love. Love in the form of charity, practice for one another. This alters you, opens your eyes, and opens your ears so you can hear the truth. And you can distinguish the truth from the lie. People watch the news, they can't distinguish the truth. They lack critical thinking because they lack Christ in their life. And I see many people who think they are saved falling for the same rhetoric in the media, that is simply not true. How can they fall for such lies so easily, so readily, so repeatedly? Because they, one of the things you need in order to do critical thinking, and we'll get into this, is forgiveness. You cannot harbor resentment and hatred for the leftists, even for the Antifa or the rioter or whatever. If you hate them, you judge them. You can't harbor it for the cops. You have to look objectively at what's happened and what's not happened. But the media is leading you about with half-truths, a little information. They exclude it. And we've talked about that, you know, the Covington boys, even with uh, George Floyd's death. They're not telling you the whole story. They're, They're working you up so that you do stupid things. And then they justify doing it. Rioting, stealing from stores, It's just justified anger. 
They're so frustrated. It's, it's just a way of protesting. No, it's stealing. It's robbing. It's hating their neighbors. It's hate crime to paint on these statues. You don't want the statue? You live in a democracy, right? Then I'll vote. And if 51% say it goes down, it goes down. If it's a public statue, if it's a private statue, you really don't have anything to say about it, do you? But anyway, so these uh, this stratification is relative to these social positions of persons within social groups. Again, they're dividing you. Social standing is a kind of a form of pecking order and establishes, at least in the minds of people, a hierarchy. You're higher up in the hierarchy, you know, like believe all women because women are oppressed. So you have to believe all women. Unless, of course, they say something you don't want to believe, then you get to not believe them. But uh, that's the argument. That's not a real argument. It's a fake argument. You know, Blacks can have an opinion about racism, but whites are not allowed to have. If a white has an opinion, it's racist. But if a black, you know, people have actually said to me, blacks can't be racist because they're not in positions of power. That's a typical sign. Somebody who says that, they have already fallen prey to critical race thinking, what they call CTR, or critical race theory. But we really should say critical race theology because that becomes their religion. But, of course, they don't know what real religion is. Real religion is taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Fake religion is taking care of one another through force, fear, and violence. And you will find that the people who take care of one another through force, fear, and violence do not do the good job. So, seeing people as a group is the antithesis of seeing people as individuals. And it's individuals who make choices. It's individuals who are racist. Now, of course, we know that Bob Ewell in The Kill a Mockingbird was racist. But some of those men who were in that lynching party, they were just swept up in this. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're, you know, and uh, they're coming out of the depression. And everybody, they want to take their anger out on somebody. So, Tom Robinson became that target. But when somebody innocent was there, they had no power. They had to stop and backed away. This is where you want to be. You want to have the power of Scout and the integrity of Atticus Finch. Scout didn't really know what was going on. She was too innocent. She couldn't imagine what was going on. Her brother, he was beginning to suspect. (laughs) And he came to stand... With his father. Even against his father's wishes. Are you willing to stand with your father? In heaven? Are you willing to stand with Christ? So many people look at me with a deer in the headlight look. When I point out that the Corbin of the Pharisees. Is identical to the social security and social welfare system of the state today. Because it was based on benefactors who exercise authority. In other words... What they're going to give you, they simply take away from others. And because it's also based on debt, they're actually taking away from your children's future to provide you with benefits today. Social Security was never solvent. It's always been bankrupt. It's been bankrupt from its inception. It came about because we were bankrupt. And the Federal Reserve would not loan any more money into circulation. The Federal Reserve came about because you did not heed the principles of the Bible. You were already straying 
before 1913, 1916, 1933. It's just, you've been going down the wrong road so long, you don't even, but I'm drawing you that picture. Unless you actually, and the fact is you don't have to teleport back to that time. You have to seek it. You have to turn around and go the other direction. And the best way to do that is to do it the way Christ said to do, which is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and take care of one another. To take care of your social welfare needs through charity instead of force. Because if you do it through force, your kingdom will not stand. As Samuel told Saul. And that's that's what Christ was telling us. That's what Peter was saying. So if you if you actually think your social standing is is uh, determined by race or the opinion of another race, then that is racism. That is what racism is. The idea of idea contradicts the thinking often held by freed slaves who proved otherwise by progressing against prejudice and discrimination and antagonism. Blacks were doing, in most parts of the country, were doing phenomenally well early on. You think that blacks had just been constantly oppressed since the Civil War. Not so. There are millionaire black people. There are black people elected to Congress and the Senate and the government. All over this country. They were all Republicans, but they were all being elected. And they were respected. They were starting colleges. They were learning to be doctors and lawyers. And they were around. We have this image that all black people were hauling water and and entering the back door. Now, I grew up in the South, and that did exist in the South. But this country passed laws against those uh, Jim Crow laws and and, uh, the prejudice and it took a while, but we were making real progress, as Mr. Elder tells us in his videos, which are on the same page. The origin of the CRT, or critical race theory, first emerged out of the challenge and the ideas of the United, that the United States had become colorblind society, where one racial identity no longer had an effect on one's social economic status. And that's actually what was taking place in America. It wasn't entirely. You could find pockets of it all over the place, racism. But you could make it in this country without a lot of fanfare if you learned to do what you needed to learn to do. But the problem is is that that persecution for years, and and you can go back and, and we have quotes on the page that will bring this up and, and listen to uh, people like Booker T. Washington who said that, no, no, that's not what you want. You don't want to be a whiner. You want to accomplish things. You want to learn things. You want to become skilled. You want to become in demand. And many black men were doing that and were reaching tremendous success. But... To make it real quick, along comes the great society and alter things. But the CRT was promoted by people like Derek Bell and Kimberly Crenshaw and Richard uh, Delgado and other people. You can look them up. We got their names there. I haven't put links on them so you go look them up. But really, there there were complaints and they were legitimate, but they were not pervasive. And they were becoming less and less. But their strategy was actually to increase the problem. 
not to remove the problem. Thomas Sowell said, the word racism is like ketchup. It can be put on practically anything. And demanding evidence makes you a racist. So you could blame racism on everything, and that's not actually the case. Uh, He also went on to say, in various countries and times, leaders of groups that lag behind economically and educationally have taught their followers to blame all their problems on other people, to hate those other people. And, you know, that's absolutely true. We do that. We always want to blame it on somebody else. The reality is, that's one of the things that uh, Booker T. always said, is that you don't blame it on other people. You don't allow other people to drag you down in the mud. You learn to stand on your own two feet. You can always find cases where people oppressed people. But are they growing in number or decreasing in number? And certainly they were decreasing in number at a rapid rate in America back in the 40s and 50s. Great strides had been made against the prejudice that had existed. That is now That prejudice 50 years ago, 150 years ago, is not what has kept the black people down. It's The problem is that they're not following the way of Christ. And the amazing thing is, which we eventually get to and show you, and we have links to pages that show you the actual plan to do this, what brought the black community down was directing them towards social welfare by men who called themselves benefactors but exercised authority. In other words... They began to look for their social welfare, not from the churches, the Baptist churches, the Methodist churches, but from the government. And they were signed up for welfare and the Great Society and the War on Poverty by the millions, by men like LBJ and, and Cloward and Piven. And they, they did this at the cost of their soul because as you began accustomed to depend for your livelihood on the property of others, then it alters you. It generates your ability to see things clearly. And it's amazing. They went to the churches and got the people to sign up through the churches. Well, the churches already had to be doing something wrong. They already were not practicing pure religion because they were going to go to men who exercise authority one over the other, who take away from your neighbor to provide you with benefits. And Christ forbid that. You are not to be like the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. You are to practice pure religion, unspotted by the world. And the word world in that verse is constitutional orders and systems of government. Because governments use force. Until John the Baptist, they were all using force at that time. Not all, but all around in in the Roman Empire were using force to provide the free bread of the people. John the Baptist said, don't do that. Repent. Think differently. Start taking care of one another through free will contributions. This is what Christianity... It's not about an emotional experience where you think you accepted Christ. It's actually being a doer of the word. Thomas Sowell went on to say that uh, the liberal logic, if life is unfair, then the answer is to turn more tax money over to the politicians to spend in ways that will increase their chances of getting reelected. Well, of course, that's why Black Lives Matter has given almost a billion dollars 
to the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party is expanding welfare, wants to pay all your student loans with somebody else's money. They want to create more and more. They want a guaranteed income. They they want to free you from having to pay rent. They it, None of it pencils out. But then again, you've been going to public schools for 40, 50 years and nobody can do the math. At least not very many people. And they don't have to get everybody. They just have to get uh, enough votes that between that and voter fraud, they get elected and they get into power. And that's very possible what might happen. Thomas Sowell also said, too much of what is called education is little more than an expensive isolation from reality. And this is, I mean, you have to remember, Thomas Sowell started out as a communist. When he graduated from college, he was not just a socialist, he was a communist. But then he started looking at the numbers. That's what he is, an economist and statistician. And he started looking at the numbers. And he started, and he was moral enough to say, it's not going to work. It, it doesn't work that way. So anyway, we're going to talk more about this and then we'll get into correlation and causation and critical thinking, but we're not going to do it in this program. We're going to have to do it at another time because we're running out of time. But I want you to join us on the network at preparingyou.com and at hisholychurch.org. Join us on the network based on geographical locations and then we will show you how the kingdom of God works and how you can come together and how it can save you from the elements of the world. And if you actually do what Christ said, until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.